Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 95th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast, everybody. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. Sorry if I sound a little bit more nasally than usual. Um, I am feeling under the weather, um, but got to power through this to get you a new episode this week. Uh, This week, we are joined by Joe Putnam, Director of Communications for the State College Spikes, members of the MLB Draft League. If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to the other episodes. There's something for everyone back there, I promise. Um, whether it's you know groundskeeping, uh, clubhouse managers, GMs, merchandise directors, social media directors, you name it. We've you know I've went I've gone back and interviewed them. So go check those out. I want to do more shout-outs on the podcast in 2022. Uh, the easiest way to get a shout-out is to drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. I know you listen on a bunch of different apps and platforms, um, but please go drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. The algorithm there really helps us out and drives us up the charts and uh, then makes more people listeners and members of the TARP crew. So so go do that. I'll shout you out here and on Twitter, of course, so, uh, so go ahead and do that. Speaking of Twitter, there is a dedicated Twitter account for the podcast, so go ahead and follow that at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tarp Podcast and reach out about becoming a guest. That's where businesses can reach out as well to become sponsors. Would love to get one of those in 2022. And if you really want to, you can also follow me on Twitter personally at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. Guys, there's Pulling Tart Podcast merchandise. We now have Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. You can find that on the Pulling Tart Podcast Twitter with the link tree that's in our bio or on TeePublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C dot com. With that being said, let's chat with Joe Putnam from the State College Spikes. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening. We were just talking, you know, before we press record about how how busy the life as a broadcaster is. Um, so let's start off with: Do you remember when we worked together? Kind of, sort of, back back yeah. a long time ago, many moons ago. Uh, yes, I remember your name being on the other end of a a few Skype conversation because that's the way we connected. Uh, with our broadcast for uh, 
let's see, football. I think we did some lacrosse together, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but way back in the day, back when it was ESPN Radio Williamsport, uh, WLYC up there. So definitely uh, remember you, Bobby, and uh, it's glad to. I'm glad to be able to uh, chat with you again here. Yeah, yeah. Glad that we could re- reconnect. Uh, we never, you know work together in person but you were the broadcaster and i was the board operator um so so yeah we we chatted a lot on skype and um and uh you were on the call for some good games back then it was a lot of high school and 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 d3 college i believe so um but glad that you know you worked your way up i I think were you with the spikes back then as well I was. Okay. Uh, I've been with the Spikes since 2008, uh, my first year in minor league baseball and really in professional broadcasting, so to speak, was in 2007 with the Auburn Double Days, and then I came back home to the Spikes in 08 and, and have done some, some venturing out as well up to Williamsport and uh, also to, to other areas from time to time. I actually did Wilkes University uh, basketball nice. one off season, and, uh, but was still here in the state college area, so I would right. end up having to travel to Wilkes-Barre about twice a week. But uh, that's what you do when you're coming up in the business. You, right. you get the miles underneath you, drive in some uh, maybe hazardous weather conditions, but you learn to drive safely in those conditions, as I hope everybody is when we're recording this. And, uh, you know, that it's just part of uh, earning your... Uh, earning your stripes as you make your way up through the broadcasting ranks. Yeah, and now you're the director of communications for the State College Spikes. Um, I want to I want to talk about driving safely in in the bad weather for a moment. I live in Delaware now, like mm-hmm. on the border of Maryland in Delaware, so at oh, yeah. the at the southern tip of Delaware, and. Um, when it snows, and so, so you know, I grew up in Williamsport and then went to Beloit, Wisconsin for four years, and when it snows here, the whole, the whole town, the whole county shuts down for, like, schools are closed for a week, if, and, it, and, like, it would be a two-hour delay if, if it was in Williamsport. So um, it's kind of comical, like, that, to think that Delaware is the South so to speak, but they, they just don't know what to do with the snow. Well, I guess sure. it is below the Mason-Dixon line, so by, by some definition. I yes, yep, yep. So um, you've been with the Spikes for a long time now, um, and I know that you have roots there, but what else has made State College and the Spikes the place to stay? Not a lot of broadcasters are stay in one place for a long time like you, so... Well, I, I think there's two things at play. One, it is it's home for me. It's a, I'm very familiar with Happy Valley. You know, not even beyond you know the Penn State area. It's just Belfont and Phillipsburg and the communities surrounding State College. I'm originally from Belfont. Okay. Uh, grew up uh, class of 2003, Belfont area high school, and went off to Syracuse University for uh, four years. But then uh, started off with the Auburn New York double days mm. and uh, then came back here to the spikes and really I think what is, has kept me here are, are two things one is the familiarity with it being my my home area uh, but also uh, <laughs> the people uh, really I mean we, we are an aberration in terms of the minor league baseball organization or uh, you know now in the MLB draft league uh, but we have a lot of folks that have been here a long time our GM Scott Walker has been 
here in State College since 2009. He's been in sort of the organization since 2007. Uh, Dan Petrozolo, our assistant GM, has been here since 2007, and I count them among my closest friends as with Matt Neary, who's our uh, sports turf manager. He's been here since day one wow. back in 2006 when the spikes were formed. Uh, and, and through the years, uh, we just really have, have formed a, a really tight bond amongst ourselves and the, the camaraderie here and then with the folks that are here day after day. It's it's a lot of fun to come to uh, the office here at the ballpark uh, with the State College Spikes each day. And now, you know, there's, there's new faces. I mean, we're right next door to Penn State, so there's always a fresh crop of hungry young associates and interns ready to uh, to make their mark in the sports industry. And you also have uh, the ushers, the ticket takers, the concessions workers that, that year in, year out have been back each summer. And uh, the relationships that I've been able to make here have been have been just tremendous. Uh, and then you and it rolls right into, you know, working with Penn State University and the tremendous folks at Penn State Athletics. Right. I mean, we, we have essentially a, a you know, a major league organization, so to speak, right next door. And, you know, the, 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 there's, I would say, a fair bit of competition between us as well, who can be most innovative. I know that we've, uh, you know, sort of uh, done things based on what they're doing, and I know that they've done things based on what we're doing over the years as well. So uh, being able to be in this area, in this web, connected with so much around Penn State, Happy Valley, and the people here with the spikes. Uh, the combination of all that, really, I think, is what made it has made it really special to be here uh, with the spikes for so long. Yeah, Happy Valley is a is a wonderful place. Um, are you guys still sharing a stadium with Penn State? That's right. Okay. Uh, Medler Field at Lebrano Park uh, was built in two thousand six. Uh, the spikes were the first team in, then Penn State baseball moved in two thousand seven and. Uh, it has kept on going. Penn State uh, calls this home. Uh, generally, the Nittany Lions home schedule starts around mid-March and goes up till about late May, and uh, that's basically when the spike schedule is picked up. Then after that, uh, so it has been a great partnership. Uh, you know, the Penn State University owns the facility. The spikes run it, so we work hand in hand, pretty much 365 days a year to okay. to make sure that this place run smoothly for all of its events. Obviously, a lot of challenges uh, over the past year or two with uh, the environment, with COVID, but, uh, you know, we've been able to battle through that together. We've been, uh, you know, taking the bull by the horns on a lot of things as well. So uh, it, it's a great working relationship, and we're looking forward to a lot of great things working in tandem with Penn State uh, to even make the ballpark uh, even better in the years to come. That's awesome. Sounds like a great relationship there. Um, was going to ask, well, I was just going to say that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there's a lot to say about the long standing, I guess, of the Spikes front office. Um, because I've worked in three front offices, and from one year to the next, it's not the same people um, over and over and over again. There's new faces. Um, so I, I do think that that speaks to your guys's uh, success for sure. Well, I, and, and I think if we had, you know, if we didn't have that success, I don't think we had stayed together as yeah. long as we have. But thankfully we have. I mean, uh, Scott and Dan and Matt are some of the most capable people 
that I've ever met across baseball. And uh, then, you know, like I say, we get new faces here in and out all the time. But we also, right. I mean, even even outside the uh, full-time front office, I mean, Julie Henry, our merchandise manager, has been with the team since day one in a variety wow. of roles. And uh, we have associates now and, and people starting in sales who have been with us in video production, concessions, getting okay. all sorts of experience around the franchise and using that to uh, go into uh, sales, which of course is uh, you know the trunk of the tree where the sports industry is concerned. Right. Uh, you know, being able to cultivate that and, and have something that can continue on year after year, uh, it really, uh, I think it does result in a lot of success. It results in um, certainly us finding uh, things that we uh, and and you know bringing back things that we know work. Year, year in and year out. I mean, fireworks shows work as far mm-hmm. as bringing out fans of the ballpark. We had Cowboy Monkey Rodeo in the past. That yes. certainly worked. We, we found mm-hmm. that out. Things like the human cannonball. Uh, people love to see uh, him fly through the sky. Uh, so we know, you know exactly what works. And then with the folks that come in, uh, maybe from other areas, that they, you know, they've fallen in love with Happy Valley as well. Uh, it brings a, a fresh perspective and, and you know, just because we've always done something doesn't mean that's necessarily the the only way. Uh, but I think the the combination of the experience that we have and the fresh perspective of others uh, provides a good mix for our fans. And, and we're really excited because we've got the biggest season we've ever had coming up. We have 40 regular season home games. Oh, wow. I know that sounds like small potatoes <laughs> to the full season minor league baseball right. folks. But for us, that's the most games we've ever had in the summer. And yeah. we uh, start up early June, go all the way to Labor Day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that is exciting that you guys do get five more games guaranteed. So, so that's nice. Um, this wasn't on the list of questions that I asked you, but how was it transitioning from the New York Penn League and being affiliated to the MLB Draft League? Well, uh, you know, seems like we've stepped into a new world from September of 2019 into now January of 2022. Um, you know, in, in October and November, the stories started popping up that uh, the State College Spikes were on this list of teams right. that were going to be cut from minor league baseball, that the New York Penn League was in danger, the Spikes were in danger. Uh, but we were able to come together uh, with our whole uh, team, Chuck Greenberg, our chairman and managing partner here at the Spikes, and, and put our heads together and put together uh, something that our fans could get behind, that our fans could, you know, we could put out there that, that we would spearhead, but that our fans really would, would be the propellant for, and that's the Save Our Spikes campaign. Okay. And we are so thankful to our fans across Happy Valley through writing letters to lawmakers, through, um, you know, through... Uh, putting their names on petitions and making their voices heard. Uh, they were, you know, we were able to start the state of our spikes initiative and then really show, show as well that this is an area that loves to support the spikes, loves yeah. to support, uh, you know, minor league baseball. And obviously, you know, the paradigm has shifted a bit. Uh, the, the structure of minor league baseball has changed, but I think major league baseball recognized through the save our spikes campaign uh, just how strong of a market this is for uh, 
developing uh, fresh baseball talent, talent that is about to enter uh, yeah. you know, the, the ladder to the major leagues, about to embark on the road to the show. And you know, there, there are several other markets that were like that, uh, some of whom were in the New York Penn League. Yep. You've got Williamsport, Mahoning Valley, West Virginia. And then, uh, you know, Frederick, Maryland, Trenton, New Jersey, markets that had supported full-season uh, minor league teams in the right. past. But now we've all come together with this MLB Draft League, and we got the first season under our belts. That obviously is priority one. Uh, make sure you get through uh, season one. And we did so on really a, a really short timeline. We announced the league, uh, all six member clubs, right. you know, band together with Prep Baseball Report, which runs the league, and Ma- Major League Baseball to announce the league on November 30th. And we played our first games uh, the week before late, uh, before Memorial Day right. uh, last year. So we're talking less than five months, really, to put everything together. But uh, I think everybody uh, had a great sense of cooperation. Uh, we're all in the same boat uh, as far as you know, making the Major League Baseball Draft League a success. And so we all put our best foot forward. And, uh, you know, there were ups, there were downs. But, you know, there were 39 players drafted out of the league. Yeah. Uh, many more signed with uh, professional teams after the draft, whether MLB or the, the independent leagues, the partner leagues now under the new system. Uh, so we had a lot of great talent here in Happy Valley that got a look up to the draft and, and all the way through the draft. And, you know, we take the lessons from year one now and shift it into sort of a, a new thing. Uh, and we're very excited. There's going to be 80 games coming up on the MLB Draft League schedule for all the teams, 40 home games for every team. But it's going to be interesting because we're going to be a, sort of a hybrid league. The first half of the season, it'll be like last year, draft-eligible prospects from colleges and uh, all across America, even to the U.S., Puerto Rico, uh, and maybe even other countries eventually. Uh, but, but talent that is eligible to be drafted uh, can come to the MLB Draft League and get uh, top-notch uh, observational tools. We've got all the latest scouting technology in place at all okay. six of all bar, all, our uh, ballparks. Uh, and scouts, you know, coming in from all of the Major League Baseball teams to evaluate players leading up to the draft. And, Bobby, there's three or, you know, the four guys we had drafted, probably only one was really on anybody's draft board before okay. their time in the MLB Draft League. But thanks wow. to their efforts in the draft league, a guy like Kenny Piper, who was a catcher out of a Division II school in Missouri, Columbia College, wouldn't have really got a big look. But he came in and he had a tremendous performance at the plate, but what really wowed a lot of scouts is his arm. He threw out, I believe it was uh, 9 for 10 in throwing out base runners trying to steal. He threw out on two separate occasions, he threw out three guys on the base pads in one game. Wow. So he impressed a lot of folks. A guy that might not have got a look or a big look in previous years, now through the draft league, gets a chance to see his MLB draft dreams come true, and, and he did that, Kenny Piper now in the race organization. Nice. Uh, but so many opportunities, and it's really what it's all about. And so now in the first half of this coming season, those guys get the opportunity. In the second half, it'll be guys starting their professional career, whether uh, they're in just embarking on it, trying to get noticed from uh, the Major League Baseball team's post-draft through free agency, or... Again, they want to start in the pros. They want to play in a professional league. They'll be able to do so 
because in the second half, uh, it will transition to a league uh, that professional showcase uh, for players, and, and that's not necessarily limited to draft-eligible players okay. either. It can be players from all over uh, trying to get their opportunity uh, to uh, you know start back their road to the show, get up to the major leagues, as is uh, I think every young player's dream when you're 16, 17, 18, 19, and onward. Uh, you know, you want you know, playing right. the game of baseball. You always dream about you know being that major league player, and the MLB Draft League offers a great avenue for that. Now, even more avenues than ever before through the draft league. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Actually, I know a lot of people were worried, like, oh, you know, <clears throat> you know, the crosscutters, for instance, aren't going to be affiliated with the Phillies. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, but I I do think that this grows the game in the long run because you're not going to be just rooting for guys to make it to the Phillies. You're going to be rooting for all all guys on all types of different teams. So, um I I do think that is the one one of the good things that um MLB has done um to to grow the sport. So, so yeah, congratulations. Yeah, we like to say we're affiliated now with all 30 MLB team. Absolutely. We're not affiliated with just one team. We could, our players could conceivably go anywhere. We had four players go to four completely different organizations through the draft last year, and I yeah. think that was the case with a, a lot of the teams in the draft league. So it, it'll be exciting now to follow them as they go through. You know, we're you know we always followed our guys when we were a Cardinals affiliate or a Pirates affiliate. We always followed them through the respective organizations. Maybe they got traded. Maybe they signed with another team who followed them there. But mm-hmm. now. We have guys all over the place, and and it's it's really going to be. I think we're really seeing now the foundation, and then two three years down the line, we'll really see the fruition of, of what this league's able to develop. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, so, Joe, do you think you are the only broadcaster to call three New York Penn League championships for two different teams? You called the Auburn Double Days Championship in two thousand seven. And then the spikes yep. in 2014 and 2016. You know, I I, I don't know. Uh, that'd be a pretty nice distinction to have, though, if that yeah. is the case. Uh, it, it, it was. It's so interesting that, that my first year in minor league baseball, I'm with a team that ends up winning a league championship. I have rings from all three of those championship wow. teams, Bobby. I have them packed in a safe place right now. I, okay. I don't bring them out, only maybe for... For real special occasions but uh yeah i mean being able to see great talent uh, i mean that auburn team i think we had nine major league players wow. on that team uh, brett cecil was a top draft pick of the toronto blue jays that year we had jp aaron Sevia, who mm-hmm. carved out a nice career for himself in the yeah. majors uh, but even you know guys like darren mastroianni who had a home run in the clincher in the uh, new york penley championship series and I can even remember guys like Drew Taylor and Alan Farina, and those are names that probably won't resonate with anyone. <laughs> they did not make it to the major leagues. Uh, but they def- they had big parts of play, made big plays during the season. And, you know, it's it, the memories from that first championship are still fresh in my mind. I mean, I, you, there's no way you think, oh, uh, when I go into broadcasting, I'm going to call a league championship right off the bat. Right. There's no way. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to be able to do that with my uh, friend Andrew Ardini. Uh, he and I uh, called all the games together, and Andrew really 
taught me a lot about broadcasting, basically showed me the ropes about working as a broadcaster in minor league baseball. And then, and then I was able to jump on with the spikes and we definitely had some, some ebb and flow, so to speak, with yeah. our uh, time with the uh, Pirates and then our first year with the Cardinals. We go 30-8 and eight in the regular season at home, Bobby, but then we lose two straight home games to lose the championship series to Tri-City in 2013. So in 14, we got a rematch in the championship series with Tri-City, and you better believe we were out for a little bit of revenge. We won game one at home, uh, then went up back up to Troy, New York, home of the Valley Cats, game two. Uh, and we had, we ended up facing a guy you might have heard of named Joe Musgrove. Yeah. And uh, he basically dominated us <laughs> in game two. So one of my favorite stories is between games two and three, the night of game two, Ollie Marmel, our manager, who's now the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, okay. um, he puts together three separate lineups. And he starts asking around. He, he asks me. He asks Steve Jones, who uh, I've worked with with the Spikes since I, I've been here. Uh, and he asked Josiah Vieira, our bench coach, who, who we loved, um, you know, what do you think? And, and I think it was unanimous. We, want, we said, go with this lineup. And that lineup happened to have a player named Brett Wiley in it, who was a great second baseman for us, a great offensive player. Okay. Uh, he was a big boost for us down the stretch in that season. But he was going to put Brett Wiley in left field. And he said the reason he had that one in place is because he had learned from Tony LaRusso you just want to put your nine best offensive players out there, because of course yeah. he was the DH, and put them where they might be. Uh, and, you know, Brett Wiley was a guy that was going to help us a lot offensively, so put him in left field. And lo and behold, we scored six runs in the first inning of there game three. Go. We ended up winning the series 11-2, and a lot of celebration uh, ensued after that. But that, it, it, it's so amazing to think back on it seven years uh, seven plus years later now and and ollie is the uh manager of the st louis cardinals wow. and it was so great to see his introductory press conference he actually had a josiah vr bobblehead uh, up uh, in his uh, study there for the the virtual press conference so wow. it, was, it was great to have those memories flood back and then in 2016 we won it all again uh with johnny rodriguez at the helm we actually set the spikes record for regular season victories that year we okay. won 50 games in the regular season and uh, then in the clincher of that one, we come back home, and Danny Hudzina hits a two-run homer. Uh, we go up two to one in the third inning, and that's the way it ended. The guy like Greg Tomchick uh, pitched four innings of quality relief in that game. Okay. We, it was basically we had to make it into a bullpen game, but Tomchick came through with flying colors. Jordan DiLorenzo was outstanding in his time on the mound to start the game. He was more or less the opener even though we didn't know it as the opener back then. Right. Uh, but he, he had uh, a great work. And then, uh, you know, Brady Bone was on the mound when we uh, clinched the championship at home for the first time. So, I mean, there's more, even more stories uh, from each of those seasons. But those, those are three outstanding teams, and they made a lot of memories for folks in central New York and central Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah, I, I worked in minor league baseball for eight years and never got a championship. So I we came darn close a couple times, but in fact, um, the Delmarva Shorebirds were the best team in minor league baseball. Um, I believe that was that was 2019, um, yep. and they won 91 or 92 regular season games. Um, so I thought for sure we were going to win it there, but 
No, no. So, so you're you're one of the lucky ones. Well, our first season, the first championship with the Spikes in 2014, Chuck Greenberg, our, our chairman and managing partner, that was his first league championship, and he has owned the clubs in minor league baseball uh, for over two decades now. Wow. And so we wanted to celebrate, and so <laughs> uh, we ended up the only place really that was open, and because you, know, you know championship games 705 takes about three three and a half hours then you have the celebration everything at the ballparks by the time we get out of there basically the only place that's open is uh it's a quicker steak and loop (laughs) and so we go so well everybody goes to the quaker steak and loop yeah meanwhile i've been you know doing my media relations duties my press duties and you know finish up the broadcast making sure we get pictures of everything and uh you know hanging out with the release yes getting a sip out of the alice nader cup uh but then i go back up and i'm you know starting to put everything together i tell and i'm gonna throw him under the bus here but he knows i love him dan martin our athletic trainer uh i tell him that hey when you guys are done uh, let me, you know, just shoot me a text. I'll be right down. I'll head over to Quaker Steak with you guys, and 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 everything will be good. Mm-hmm. So it, it goes on a while. I'm still in the press box at Bruno Stadium up in Troy, and I think, you know, it's been a while, but I got a lot of time to work. All right, this is great. Yeah. And then and then I put everything together and make sure it's all put to bed. Send out the recap. Get it. Make sure everybody knows the state college spikes are the New York Penn League champions. Yeah. And I walk downstairs and there's the Tri City front office. I'm like, hey, where'd everybody go? Like, they left. Huh. <laughs> I said, well, what's the best taxi service? Yeah, so, right. <laughs> We'll call it up. This is this is pre Uber, pre yep. uh, Lyft days. So call up the taxi, uh, get a taxi ride to uh, Quaker Steak, and I walk in and get a hero's welcome. <laughs> Putnam has finally made it to the celebration, yeah. and Dan Martin gave me a big hug and said, "I'm so sorry," but all was well because <laughs> we, we won the title and then uh, had uh, plenty of wings and uh, celebratory beverages. Of course, of course, you have to. Um, so I was doing a little bit of research on you and um, found that you went on to Stump the Schwab. Love that yes. show, by the way. Um, so you went on there twice, right? I did. I was okay. on there two times. So how did you do is, is the first question I'm going to ask about Well, that. Uh, Bobby, unfortunately, I kind of choked the first oh. time around. It was... The, the way Stump the Schwab worked, uh, you had three rounds. The first round had three contestants, and then it whittled down to two, and then one would face the Schwab, Howie Schwab, yep. uh, ESPN's you know resident uh, in-house stat man for you know almost two decades at that point. Yeah. And he, you know, we'd whittle it down through a series of games, and so it was down to two with me and this other guy, and the game was um, that you had to put. They gave you a list of a team, the teams that a player had played for in their career. Okay. And you had to put them in the correct order. And you got one point for every team that was put in the correct spot in the order. Okay. And so the first player I got was Garrison Hurst. Got all four. Perfect. Second player, Andre Dawson. Got all four. It was perfect. So I'm, I'm after the two rounds, I'm leading by, I want to say, four. But I know this, after, because I was ahead in the last one, they had the other guy go, he goes, and he ends up 
he has one point now, a one point lead on one point. Okay. And so the player I got was Vin Baker. Now mm-hmm. Vin Baker was well traveled. Uh, the Bucks, the Sonics, the Celtics, the Knicks, and the Rockets. Mm-hmm. And I saw Rockets, and I thought. I don't remember Vin Baker ever playing for the Rockets. I remember it his short time with the Knicks. Yeah. I remember him with the Celtics. Certainly remember him with the Bucks and the Sonics. So I said, well, you know what? I'll, it maybe it was like a Chauncey Billups situation. Maybe he played for one team, uh, you know, it's very early and whatever. Right. I've got the other four. Yeah. I'll put it first. Well, as it turned out, that screwed up every other spot in the order, and I got no points. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if God had mercy on my soul or not, but I did, certainly didn't go on to face the Schwab. So that one I kind of choked away. Second time, made it to the same spot, and that time I just got beat. Yeah, okay. the other the other guy, a guy uh, Brian Schro, uh, he ended up. Uh, we did who's got more, and uh, he had pitching wins. I had pitching saves. I got. 13 correct he got 14 correct in the last tour wow wow when you get beat you're not too mad about it when you choke it away like i did the first time around it 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 stays with you especially when when you're watching it with your friends because of course these things are pre-taped to share you know three weeks to a month later which was actually quick for tv standards but they when it finally aired my friends and i went out to bowling and they put up my name on the scoreboard as ben baker so (laughs) believe me I know a lot about Vin Baker now, certainly sure. much more than I did about 17 years ago. Yeah, Stump the Schwab was a great show. I, I love watching it. I was sad to see it go, obviously. Um, yep. Another um, member of the TARP crew, another Pulling TARP podcast guest, uh, Greg Jamborisi, used to work on that show as a researcher. Oh, wow. Did you, did you get to meet him while you were there, or... <laughs> I don't know how that works. I don't even know if he was if he was on set. You know what? Well, I I actually got to meet Greg. I met Greg finally at the 2016 promo seminar down in Birmingham. Okay. And it's funny because he and I, you know, hit it off right away. We're you know some like you know usually broadcasters not involved with promotions or marketing or things like that. It's not something where you would go down to promo seminar, but he and I were about the only broadcasters there. But I did not know he worked on Stump the Schwab. But now, knowing him now, he I may have seen him. In (laughs) fact I I do kind of remember somebody who looked like him. Yeah. But I would I yeah, I wouldn't have put two and two together at all. I mean there were a lot of people running around it. Actually it was another funny story. Um the first, the first time I was on. First time I was on. I had moved on from the round of three to the round of two. I was on to the second round. Mm-hmm. But somebody was walking behind me when they did like the live shot of me saying an incorrect answer. I, it was you had to list off. You know, everybody got to list off who they thought for different categories. Sure. Mine was managers of the year, and we'd all pick one off the list. If we got it wrong. We were out, and if we repeated something, somebody else had said we were out. Okay. Otherwise, you just keep going, and you can rack up the points then big time because you and the Schwab or whoever can just go back and forth naming one, naming uh, names off the list. Okay. So the uh, I, I guess Bob Brenly, but he had never won Manager of the Year. So, but then they made me redo saying Bob Brenly into the camera four times and they say well Ugh. guess it's a good thing you're moving on to the next round oh gosh. Yes, that little disclaimer at the end portions of the 
uh, broadcasts that do not affect the outcome of the game may be recorded, produced, whatever. Right. That was one of those things. Okay. So <laughs> that's interesting. Wow. <laughs> um, so working in minor league baseball, we all know there's other duties as a sign things that are not on the job description whatsoever things just come up all the time and so i want to know what has been the most other duties as a sign moment in your minor league baseball career well i think every time i put on a mascot suit uh, that definitely has the first time i did it was in auburn 2007 um basically an intern at the time. I mean, yeah. broadcasting and media relations, but um, just, you know, learning the business. Yep. And it's a Memorial Day parade in Auburn. So I am Abner Doubleday, sure. the mustachioed mascot of the Auburn Doubledays with, a, you know, kind of a cartoonish head with a big mustache. And uh, so I'm on the float for Memorial Day. And I... Auburn had a great thing. I think they may have built it because Leo Pinckney, who was the longtime president of the Auburn Doubledays, was named King of Baseball yeah. uh, one year. And uh, so they had a throne for him. It was built out of wood baseball bats. So, like, the, oh, cool. you know, there were baseball bat armrests and baseball bat legs and baseball bats in the back, cat butt baseballs on top of the, the posts. And the seat was a base, an actual base. Oh, okay. So I sat on that as Abner Doubleday, right, waving to the crowd on about a ninety-five degree day, uh, Memorial Day in Auburn. So thankfully, I just had to sit and wave. I didn't have to move around, do a whole lot. But then we got back to the ballpark, and of course, all the kids—they want to see it. Abner Doubleday, but man, I'm exhausted. Right. <laughs> so I go towards the clubhouse, and just before I get in the clubhouse, I took off the head. Oh, I committed no. the cardinal sin oh, no. of mascot. So I may have destroyed some children that day, and no. I apologize for that if that's the case. I, I haven't I, I don't think it affected them all that much. I think they were able to play it off like, oh, I was a friend of Abner Doubleday, you know, it was, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't Santa. It was one of his friends, yeah. you know, that's happened about. So, uh, but that is when I learned what the cardinal sin of mascotting was. So definitely whenever I'm in the mascot suit now, uh, I do not take off the head and I have been called upon even, even in recent years to, to wow. uh, don the suit, whether it be for the Nookie monster or Lucky the lion. Uh, I can't fit into Ike the spike though. Okay. Uh, I'm a little too zuffed for that uh, particular character but i could definitely be the rookie monster because the rookie monster has a bit of a punch to it so that okay. fits me perfectly uh but i would say probably that and you know, just in general i mean the name of this podcast is pulling tarp i mean pulling yeah. tarp is the epitome yes. of other duties as a sign because yes. when you hear that call you better get down there and be ready to go because if you don't get the tarp on there you don't get the game and that is not good for anybody no, so whether no. it's a single tarp or a double tarp uh, you know these these kids today with these artificial turf fields they have it easy. Yeah, but we still have uh, natural grass here in uh, State College. So even now, you got, you have to heed the call of the tarp and uh, hustle your way down. I I always I actually put it out there earlier this year on Twitter. What are your recommendations for tarp shoes? 
Mm. Because I, you know, I've gone through right now. I have basically it's the Walmart twenty dollars special rubber boots. Okay, basic rubber boots. Good That's call. what I've gone with. Yeah. But I had so many people, so many suggestions, so many others. I, I, I don't know. If you, you might have a a go to tarp shoe from your ears. Behind. I, I am a old sneakers person. Um, okay. With with no socks. No old old yeah. sneakers with you no socks. You're just gonna ruin socks. Yeah. Socks are, take the socks off. Yeah, but no, that's that's really the only th- good thing that old sneakers are are for. You know, yeah. so that that's how, that's what I always did. Um, when I first started out, like the first couple times I did it barefoot, and I was told uh-huh. I was told by a groundskeeper, don't do that. I put way too many like pesticides and stuff like that on the field, so don't uh, do that. I don't know if that's true, but I, you know what, I I think more because and listen, I used to do barefoot as well. Yeah, I think more what they're worried about. It's not necessarily the pesticides on your feet, because you're wearing shoes that go through those pesticides too. Yeah, I think it's more they just don't want anybody to fall. Yeah, which it's slippery. It can be a slippery tarp. That's true. Or even a slippery field with rain coming down. So I think that's more what what they're afraid right. of it, which is a valid concern yeah yep um let's see here okay so i've run social media accounts for teams for a long time um and you you help assist with that with the broadcasting and updating the fans during the games and that kind of stuff what's the weirdest comment or message you've received while running a team's social media account Thankfully, we haven't got a lot of like weird ones. You, you, I mean, we get the requests like, "Hey, if you if if this gets five hundred retweets, can I get something? Okay, a cap, uh, a ticket to the game, whatever." Yeah. Um. Thankfully, our social media has been more positive. I guess uh, the the reaction has generally been positive. I I don't know. I don't know if we have any like way out things that I can remember. Um, I have maybe it's selective memory on my part, but I remember the, the great things, you know, probably the best thing that we've done was back in 2017 opening day. We just had, we basically just said, okay, give us your story about what, you know, your best memory, fondest memory at the ballpark. And we'll, you know, we'll pick a winner and they'll get two tickets for opening night. Okay. And I mean, the stories that we got were just they, they were heartwarming. They were literally heartwarming. Yeah. And it, it really reminded reminded me of, of why we do this, you know, why we um, you know put this on. We want to make memories for people. We want to make memories that they are able to then follow up on and say, you know, hey, my my kid saw his first baseball game at Medler Field at Lebrano Park. Or mm-hmm. we had a great time. We saw the fireworks. Uh, and and it really brought our family together. Th- and things like that, I think, are what stick with me more than than anything else. And and I believe me, I know, and I've seen again. It's selective memory on my part. Yeah. There are negative things that that people sure. say that you know, as a social media person, you you you, you have to realize that they're not attacking you. They're right. they're attacking the brand if if it is an attack. Right. Or they're think if they're not seeing. Joe Putnam behind the computer. They're just seeing the Spikes logo, and you know they 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 they're not personally mad at you. Maybe they're just blowing off steam, or maybe they're 
just a unique person in their own right. But yeah. it's it's it, it it can be tough sometimes in social media. But you have to realize it's not personal. They're not attacking uh, you. They're they're just either stating a, a you know a concern, making a complaint, just blowing off steam, whatever. Right. Yeah. I, whenever we did get those heartwarming messages, I always made sure to send those out in a front office email to everybody and just remind people like, Hey, I know we're on day seven of a homestand here. Um, and we've all put in well over a hundred hours this week, but this is the reason why we grind it out and do what we do. So it's nice that you, that you remember those more than the weird or, or, you know, angry messages, I suppose. So, I, I suppose it, it, from a weird message standpoint, we don't really get them much on social media, although we have had some over the years. Mm-hmm. The weirdest messages to me are always the people that are looking to try out for your team. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and they can, I mean, you know, we've got those letters, we've got letters from people in prison who are asking for a tryout with the State College Spikes. Uh, they may not necessarily be in prison anywhere near here, but they just want an opportunity. And, you know, we look, we give opportunities, but it's <laughs> there is a system. And, right. But it just a random out-of-the-blue request to try out and become part of the Spikes, that kind of that can get a little weird sure. to see, okay, who, who has come out of the woodwork to say, I want to play for the spikes and you know it's usually the weirdest ones we get are the guys that are in their 30s that man you know i i had my chance and i just need another chance and they're in their you know in their 30s playing beer league ball and they just need a chance and they want to be a pitcher they may not hit 80 miles an hour but they want to be a pitcher (laughs) uh, you know that that can get a little weird oh yeah that's for sure Um, so you travel a lot for the spikes or, um, you know, in the off season with, with the other sports that you broadcast as well. What has been the best concessions item that you've tried in your travels? You know, well, near and dear to my heart, the sloppy Joe Putnam was at Medler Field at LeBron Park for several years. So okay, that one, all right. That one is among my favorites, but the, I'm biased in terms of that. What's what's on uh, that? Just every standard sloppy Joe. Okay. Tom Whalen, who was our chef here at Medler Field for a couple seasons, developed the recipe, and we served it with Fritos corn chips on a on Ooh. a hamburger bun. Okay, so you could have the chips on or off, but it does add a little extra. Punch. All right, I like it. But in terms of outside state college traveling around. Uh, I was always a huge fan of the Gator Pit in Lowell, Lalasher Park. Uh, had some of the best barbecue there was, mm. and and it was really a group area. It was underneath the ballpark. Cool. Um, it was more of a group area, but it, the opportunity was there for us uh, early it, as the media, and then then we had to pay, but it was worth it. Okay, to pay for it. It's, right. it's, in terms of a meal, you get what you pay for, 
and it was so good. The steak tips at the Gator Pit in Lowell, I still remember Ooh, to this day. That sounds good. So I would say probably that was my favorite concessions item. Um, you know, there's a, there were a lot of great ones. Um, you know, I mean, your standards, hamburgers, hot dogs, pizza. Um, I think, uh, but that one sticks out in my okay. mind most. If I, I, I think uh, the other places had some pretty good items from time to time. And I'd be like, oh, wait. I, I actually always, always got a kick out of the places that had Pizza Hut pizza for yeah. a time because... I, I tend to think Pizza Hut is the best microwavable pizza. Ooh. So I was like, hmm, I wonder how this will be at the ballpark. And okay. It was, it was not bad. All right. <laughs> it wasn't phenomenal, but it was not bad. Yeah, okay. All right, that that barbecue does sound good, man. Oh, absolutely. Um, so let's stick with your travels here for a moment. What's been the best promotion that you've seen in your travels? Hmm... I mean, well, fireworks is always a crowd pleaser, and it's sure. always fun to be on the broadcast, and then after the game, you have the fireworks going off in right. the background while you're doing the post-game show, maybe playing some highlights of that. that that's always an interesting experience, but, yeah. um, you know, that's always a, a big go-to. Being in a ballpark on the 4th of July with fireworks is yeah. always exciting. We. We have we had our biggest crowd in in Spike's history last year with Ooh. fireworks on the Fourth of July here at the okay. ballpark. Uh, Seven thousand one hundred eighty three fans and okay. capacities fifty five seventy. So wow. that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, those are those are the great ones. I I, I kind of like promotions that I actually haven't been at the ballpark for. Uh, and again, maybe it's just because it's nearby, but Awful Night down in Altoona was always a favorite of mine. Oh, okay. Uh, and, it, and it's always been in a great spot. It's the second game of the season because the second game gets forgotten. You have the sure. home opener, opening night, everybody's excited, pumped. <laughs> you know, it's a new season, and then the second one kind of gets forgotten. So yeah. it's, a, it's a great promotion for the second night of the season. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I was also once at uh, the Mahoney Valley Scrappers when Jim Tressel had just been named president of Youngstown State University. He was making his return. They had a Jim Tressel night at the ballpark. Oh, wow. Jim Tressel throwing out a first pitch and a Jim Tressel bobblehead giveaway. And the Youngstown State booth was actually right next to my broadcast booth. Okay. Uh, they're sweet there. So it was it was kind of fun. I looked over and was like, hey. Jim Tressel. I saw him on TV when they played Penn State. That's you know, now cool. he's right next to me. Nice. So that, that was a kind of a cool one just that I remember. And it's always great too when the professional wrestlers are out there. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. I, I got to, I actually got to meet and greet uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, on the road nice. uh, when he was out. We've had some, some great ones here too. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. We had George the Animal Steel once here. Oh, yeah. And I got to, I participated in the on, on field contest because. Um, I, you know, we would have wrestling nights, whether George Steele was there or maybe we just have a random theme night. And I, I was always good old JP, you know, I do my Jim Ross impression, do the, put on a black cowboy hat and just act the part as the announcer, you know? So, uh, but then at, um, we did an on field where Dan Petrozolo, our assistant GM has been known from time to time to adopt the guise of macho Dan. (laughs) <laughs> and he he goes full out. He has a whole uniform, has the bandana, the glasses, uses eye black to do the beard, and, <laughs> nice uh, and he's got the voice down pat. So uh, we did a couple videos of, of good old JP 
talking to, to Macho Dan leading up to uh, George Animal Steel's appearance. And uh, you can find them on YouTube, by the way. Search okay. Macho Man Danny, and you'll find uh, one of the great videos we did. But uh, in any case, we when George Steele came, we were going to have Macho Dan compete in a turnbuckle-leading contest against Ooh. George the Animal Steele, because that's what he's known for. Yeah. Of course, plastic bags full of popcorn, but you know. Right, right. <laughs> um, but then then uh, I was the MC, and we worked it out, and, and George the Animal wrote me into it. He, he you know, oh pulls me over and pushed me in. We worked it all out beforehand, <laughs> and he's, yeah. he's there giving me the instructions while he's shoving my face in the popcorn. But he's work, he's working. You know, he's, <laughs> he's he's shoving my face in the popcorn, but it's not that bad. That's I made crazy. the mistake though. I wore these glasses on the field, and mm. at the end, it was we were like, okay, George Steele will give you like he'll give you a punch, close on. I'm like, dude, this is a Hall of Famer. I got to take a big bump. I got I got to be down there and make it look devastating. Yeah. Well, here, he didn't give me the clothesline. Macho Dan gave me the clothesline. <laughs> the glasses go flying off. Oh, boy. And uh, so, and I'm, you know, part working, but I'm also, like, legitimately a little dizzy. Yeah. And look, thankfully, after giving me a, a clothesline, <laughs> Dan was kind enough to pick up my glasses. Oh, that's And nice. kind of parade around with them. But it, uh, meanwhile, I'm wandering around, and I'm half working, half not. I'm running <laughs> into the tarp on the field. Oh, uh, I mean, I wanted to make it look like, I wanted to make it look good. Yeah. But it also did look kind of good. So I guess, you know, I, I, guess, <laughs> I guess that we did what we intended to do there. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, when you guys come to Williamsport, that's always a commuter trip, right? You don't ever spend the night. Rarely, we we have, but it's a rare occasion. Okay. It actually, usually it would it would coincide with a Penn State home football weekend. So obviously, all the oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we got we got to clear out a lot because the our ballpark is right next door to Beaver Stadium. Sure. So we have some premium parking, so we got to clear out of there. And okay, so that's usually so in your experiences going to Williamsport are there any restaurants or or bars that that you like to go to in Williamsport that you can remember uh, let's see that is my hometown so it is it is I know there always there was always a TGI Fridays we always would stay when we stay over it's at the Best Western okay yep that that Fridays was there um Bullfrog Brewery is always, uh, always a, a, a big favorite of mine. Whenever we're there, I remember, <laughs> I remember one night going to the Cell Block in Ooh. Williamsport, a little post game uh, revelry. Okay, um, okay, that was that was fun. That was fun. Um, I met Snoop Dogg there yeah. once. What's that? I met Snoop Dogg there once. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean. When we're in Williamsport, though, because it's a commuter trip, I, I actually now travel separately from the team usually when uh, we go to Williamsport. But what would happen is, after the games, I would have to do my um, report. And, and Gabe Sinecropi is a, a great gentleman, but he oh, had yeah. a rule that the press box shut down an hour after the game. Okay. And sometimes, and this will come as no surprise to anybody who knows me, sometimes I could take a little bit putting the final touches on that recap before I sent it out. Sure. Uh, so what I ended up doing is I would go after the games. There was a Dunkin' Donuts just down the street yeah. from the ballpark. And I'd just go there because they're open all, all night. Okay. And i just go there. They have free Wi-Fi. I'd finish my thing and I'd have some donuts, maybe a little coffee, get on the road, get back to uh, State College, get back to Belfont. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I think the Dunkin' Donuts is no longer 24 hours. And I think it's only oh, really? like 
9 o'clock. So no more post-game Dunkin' Donuts in Williamsport for me, but okay. a lot of nights after Crosscutter Spikes games and the Dunkin' Donuts there. So yeah. if you happen to swing by, you can, you can visit it. Yeah. I don't think they built a shrine to me or anything. but <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been to all those places, obviously. Uh, my right. parents at the time, um, when I was an intern there, I lived two minutes away from the ballpark if I caught a red light or if I caught a green light. So um, I would leave my house at 8.58 to be to work by 9 o'clock. So that was always nice. <laughs> and I can see I can see the fireworks from my parents' house too. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, okay, this should be an easy one, I, I would think. Um, out of all the games you've broadcasted, what has been your most memorable call? I think for me, the most memorable one is 2009, or excuse me, 2010. Uh, Gary Robinson was our manager, and Gary was a phenomenal guy, a really great teacher. He's actually a former umpire, uh, but he was a scout as well, had been in the game a long time, Uh, and near the end of the season, uh, he registered his displeasure with the umpire, uh, kicked dirt on home plate, completely covered home plate, got down on his hands and knees, covered it, uh, was summarily thrown out. But on his way out, he grabbed first base and pulled out his Sharpie and signed first base. He didn't steal it like Lloyd McLennan. He, he signed it and gave it to a fan in the second row. And that was, it, it, it made awesome. sports centers not top 10. Sure. Uh, so that was, that was kind of an interesting call and, um, that's awesome. it, it's one of those times where you just you, know, you just say what's happening in front of you as, as <laughs> funny or as unanticipated as it may be just say what's happening in front of you and, and that's exactly what was going on he took out first base he signed it and he gave it to a fan wow <laughs> you don't, hear, you don't see safe. that one every day wow oh yeah that's awesome um <laughs> So you also fill in for Penn State Athletics, whether that be PA announcing or play-by-play. I was always a, a PA announcer. I, I never did play-by-play. I, I did color commentary a couple times with, uh, with Trevor Turner for ESPN Radio uh, Williamsport. Um, I did some soccer games and, and some football as well. But I was, I was always a PA guy, um, you know, and in uh, Beloit, Wisconsin, I was the public address announcer and the DJ for all 70 home games. Um, oh, yeah. So, so I love doing it. Um, but what what's it like filling in for, for Penn State athletics? I mean, obviously that's a, that's a pretty big deal, especially in the Happy Valley there. And what's your favorite sport to do announcing for, whether that be play-by-play or PA announcing? Sure. Uh, I've been fortunate enough. I, I'm on my fifth season now on the Penn State uh, women's basketball side. Uh, I've been the color commentator there. Before that, I was the PA announcer for women's basketball games at the Bryce Jordan Center. I've also filled in. I filled in down in Florida for uh, men's basketball and play-by-play this year. Okay. Uh, so I've got to work with Steve Jones, Dick Girardi over there. Yeah. Uh, Steve is also my broadcast partner here at home. Uh, for Spikes games, or okay. I'm his broadcast partner. I really it, it, it can be difficult sometimes to tell the two. But uh, uh, then I also do the 
uh, internal press box public address announcing for Penn State football, which is pretty interesting. If yeah. you're at Beaver Stadium, you'll never hear me unless you're in the press box. But I do hear oh. sometimes that people listening on TV or radio, they hear that because it goes into the broadcast booth to alert them of okay. what's going on in the game. And so sometimes you can hear it on the nationwide broadcast, but you can't hear it if you were saying That's cool. All right. It, it, it is pretty interesting, and I've been, I've been able to do public address announcing for a, a whole bunch of different sports at, at Penn State, uh, lacrosse, uh, baseball. I've done Penn State baseball PA announcing uh, for, for 10 years now. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, you know, also doing, I just did some gymnastics a little while ago. I filled in on wrestling men's basketball uh you you name the sport at penn state i probably have been on a microphone at it in some way shape or form uh my favorite is probably my women's basketball it's been tremendous to see the lady lions uh you know now in the third year the carolyn keeger era um they're really taking an upward uh trajectory in the big 10 excuse me so mckenna marisa has been a great player, but it's also great. Uh, we get to travel with the team once again. Uh, we we had to s- sort of sit out, or we go into a conference room at the Bryce Jordan Center to do all the road games last year, which was a very interesting experience. But we're yeah. back on the normal travel now and, and going around the Big Ten, so that that is a lot of fun, uh, and it's great to be around and great to be uh, an advocate for uh, Penn State women's basketball. Uh, but also, I mean, when you're up there at the press box at Beaver Stadium and it is literally shaking when 109,000 people <laughs> yeah. are screaming at the whiteout, that is a, a really cool experience. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I like football, basketball. Basically, all of the sports have uh, their, their charms. I mean, I was able to f- fill in as the PA announcer for men's basketball last Saturday when they took okay. on third-ranked Purdue. Ooh. And the atmosphere was just, it, it, it was so thrilling to be a part of. Yeah. And, and it's even the same way when, you know, Penn State field hockey had been able to, to do that and, and to hear the crowd's reaction when the game goes into double overtime and it's two top 10 teams, Penn State and Northwestern or whoever, uh, that is just a tremendous uh, feeling as well. Just being a part playing a part in, in all of these different sports. That's yeah. really what uh, I like the most. And I, you know, I, I like all of the sports, all sports offer uh, their own uh, ways of competition that, that just appeal to me. Uh, and right. it's different from sport to sport. So yeah. being able to have the opportunity though, is something I'm, I'm very grateful. For. Yeah. I, I am a Penn state fan. Um, so I've been to, um, Beaver Stadium. I've been to the Bryce Jordan Center. Bryce Jordan Center, I think, is one of the most slept on places to watch a college basketball game for sure. Um, not a bad seat in the house. Um, you know, obviously, they haven't been competitive on a national level since uh, Taylor Battle was there. Um, but boy, was he fun to watch. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I, I was hoping he would he would get some some time in the in the league, but uh, I, I know he did play overseas a little bit. But um, but yeah, I I, I do bre- I do uh, bleed blue for sure. So. <laughs> well, now I mean Lamar Stevens, the the team he led in twenty twenty would have made the NCAA tournament and probably would have done some damage in the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, 
COVID struck and, and that right. was, that's just a tremendous loss. But now Lamar's, you know, killing it in the NBA with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Uh, it's great to see him starting night in and night out in the NBA and he's making the most of his opportunity. And I think now with Micah Shrewsbury at the helm, this, this Nittany Lion team, they're, they're a team that'll work hard and they'll be in games. I mean, I was there down in Destin, Florida earlier this year when they took on LSU and LSU's team that right now, as we're talking, uh, is in the top 20 in the country, and yeah. Penn State was step for step for them. They they defend exceptionally well. They can hit a few threes, and they're really starting to come together, and they, they've surprised a lot of people already with what they've been able to do, and I think uh, they'll continue doing that, uh, surprising people, but hopefully the time will come when it's not a surprise to anybody. Right. They're just there consistently uh, in the rankings. Yeah, they usually do play my alma mater in the preseason as well, Slippery Rock University. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I have I have seen that. And uh, Slippery Rock's pretty good for a D2 school, but obviously they're not going to hang around you know, the whole game for sure. So, um, yeah, but I've done uh, a couple Slippery Rock games. I've filled in way back in the day on Lock Haven, so I would do some uh, LHU Slippery Rock. Uh, I think we did on the road, and we also, I think, I did one inside Thomas Fieldhouse. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's a that's another good place to see a game for sure. It really is, yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, so you traveled with the Spikes for a long time as well, and I know there's a lot of stories that, that you can't tell. Um, I, I've been I've been in plenty of clubhouses. I, I know that from that much. Uh, what is the best story that you can tell from traveling with the team? Uh, bus breakdown stories are always classic. I've yeah. been part of three of them. Oh, um, started off my first year. We were going from Lowell to Auburn, and broke down in Holyoke, Massachusetts. And then it's always. It's always fun to scramble and try to find a hotel that has enough rooms for everybody. Yeah, really. We were there on the side of the interstate waiting for the hotel shuttle van to take us five at a time over to the hotel. Yikes. Um, so that was the first one. Second one I actually was not on the bus for, but the bus broke down again in Lowell with the spikes in 2009, but I was I was not on that trip. Steve was doing those games. Okay. Uh, but I heard about it, and, and both of those times, both the Lowell game, uh, both the Lowell games, the team got back pretty late. I know uh, with Auburn, when we had our Lowell bus breakdown, we had a game the next night at home at 7.05. I think we got back in at 6.30. Wow. We played the game. We, did, we delayed it about 20 minutes. Okay. But, you know, Dennis Holmberg was our manager, and he basically said, listen, this we're not going to win this game. But just nobody get hurt. Yep. Let's play nine innings. You know the backups go in. Um, you know if we if we if we lose twelve to three, that's fine. We're gonna yep. lose this game anyway. But we're gonna you know bounce okay. back and, and be stronger the next day. So, and we were thankfully. Yeah. Uh, but then we had a bus breakdown uh, in twenty nineteen, uh, leaving Mahoning Valley, and as it turned out, we were it was a similar situation to that uh, Lowell situation where. We had a game the next day, we had a game here, and it was a Sunday game, so we started at 6.05 instead of 7.05. Okay. Um, So we got back into town for that one. I think we got back in at 5 o'clock. Jeez. So we had an hour, you know. But as it turned out, the Batavia Muck Dogs, who we were playing, also had a bus breakdown the previous night. They got in, I think, 5.20, (laughs) and 
we did we ended up delay, a short delay in that one as well okay most of it you tell the story of okay the buses broke down and this is why it's a delay and yep. we're gonna play but we're gonna play baseball tonight everybody and <laughs> uh you know, we had we had uh, fireworks after the game and but it was it you had you had two cranky cranky teams coming oh, in and, yeah. uh, some cranky individuals for that for sure oh i'm sure i'm sure um, so this is the Pulling Tarp Podcast. Do you have any crazy tarp stories over the years? Uh, I mean, we've had the tarp situation where you have to yell at everybody, let go of the tarp mm. because it will rip your arm off. Yep. Um, those are those are not fun, but they do happen. Mother Nature uh, tends to impose her will uh, where she will. Yep. Um, people that get lost in the tarp. Thankfully, I, I don't think I've ever had it happen to me where I've had to crawl out from under the tarp, but it has happened. People go way. down, but the tarp keeps on a moving, so they <laughs> got to crawl army style out of yeah. there. Um, those are mostly the, the, the tarp stories. I mean, those are the crazy tarp stories. Um, you know, we, we also, I mean, we, we've had some pretty fast tarps, and it's like, wow, we got the tarp out there in two minutes, and then it, then it poured down... Like Noah's Ark was going to come yep. in for about two hours after that. Yeah. We got down just in time. So, uh, that was probably the, the most fun. So What's you, not fun is coming in the following morning. That's oh, fun. yeah, that's that's never fun. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't miss that at all. Um, <laughs> do you? So when you're on the air, you don't you know go to commercial break and sprint down, do you? Or you just do it like during the day? when, when Yeah, the during the day. Okay. And then... I. Up to game time. I've done it a few times pre-game, but usually once we get into our, our pre-game show, then it's kind of like, well, I'm up. Because I'm also alerting media and right. everybody of what's going on. And and, and, and and you know, we our broadcast is we update every 20 to 30 minutes with what's going on. Cut it. Cut in. We return you now to station programming. <laughs> and every 20 to 30 minutes, we come back with an update. And, and sometimes shorter, sometimes shorter. I mean, we've had some rain delays that were 10 minutes. Okay, uh, wow. It, it, it can be pretty crazy at Medler Field, too. Uh, the weather patterns and just the way the mountains surround us. We've had occasions where it's raining in the parking lot, but not on the field. That's uh, wild. So we, we keep on going in that <laughs> instance. And, of course, there's always the times where, you know, lightning is in the vicinity, but it's not that close, so we keep on playing. We had a game last year where... Uh, we thankfully got three outs in the top of the fifth inning to preserve that four and a half innings when the home team is leading for an official game. Uh, and it, it was a play at the plate in the bottom of the fifth that got us the last out. It's probably the most excited I've ever been over a play in the fifth inning, but it really did win us the game because the weather moved in very shortly thereafter and we were still winning by a run. So we got a win instead of a tie or no game or whatever it yeah. would have been. Okay. All right. So we do have one listener question. Uh, this yeah. is from Johnny Bolin. Um, he listens to the podcast every week. Um, so shout out to him. And his question is, how popular has the Spikes brand been in a college community with such a passionate collegiate fan base? It's definitely a very passionate fan base. And, um, you know, answer Johnny's question. I think that uh, we've been fairly popular. We definitely have a lot of 
Penn State uh, bobbleheads that get snapped up right away. Yeah. Uh, people love Penn State around here. Uh, you know, in, in Happy Valley, it's the it's Penn State football is unquestionably the biggest thing. I mean, we we understand that. Yep. Uh, so that's why it's a nice lead-in for us from spike season, then it goes into football season. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a great thing for folks to do in in the summertime in Central PA, and and that's part of the reason why I think that. Um, we haven't been able to crack really the student population as much as we maybe would have anticipated, well, yeah. but we're a summertime thing. You know, most students yeah. are out of town in the summer. They, now they move back in the last week to two weeks of our season usually. And we definitely have an array of activities to uh, bring them over. And, and, and we definitely have got better with that. We have a lot of, uh, we had Penn state student orientation did their, uh, welcome back weekend oh, last good. year, uh, here at the ballpark. So that was great to see. Um, and there's more and more organizations that are doing those sorts of events here. Um, but uh, it, uh, for a lot of the season, students aren't here. So, yeah. um, you know, it's not really until the last two weeks that we get, uh, uh, you know, uh, students uh, overwhelming the ballpark. Right. You know, not, not overwhelming, but uh, but we do actually, we get a fair amount of folks even during the summertime. We have a great partnership with uh Penn State Spa, the Student uh, Programming Association, they actually oh, yeah. uh, purchase uh, tickets for students for all of our home games okay. throughout the season, and we definitely do get um, a, a decent amount of usage there. But it that's limited to one section of the ballpark, as opposed to you know, okay. all throughout. And definitely, I would say that uh, when the students do come back, Thirsty Thursdays are a, a pretty pretty popular promotion. Yeah, don't know why. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's always a struggle when you're in a college town now. Now, State College is obviously a much bigger town with a much bigger school, um, but it's always been a struggle. Like, I remember, you know, in Williamsport, you know, trying to get kids from... I mean, Penn Tech is, is a community college, but getting kids from, like, Cumming College there, getting kids um, from Beloit College in, in Beloit to, to go to games and then which is more of an art school so that was even more more difficult um, and then trying to get kids from Salisbury University to go to um, the Delmarva Shorebirds games There's, you got a very limited window to get them there um, so yeah. it's always a struggle there but I'm glad glad you guys have been able to capitalize on it for sure Oh, definitely. And, and I mean, Penn State, you know, it's the largest alumni base in the world. And, and yeah. the campus itself, I mean, there's 65,000 students here uh, pretty much during the year. So even even a small portion of that is, is a big <laughs> a big portion yeah. of what the capacity of this ballpark would be. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's definitely always an aim of ours to try and uh, to get that student population uh, where, I mean, we're a, a fun, affordable activity over here. And we've got great beverages, so why yeah. not come out to a ball game? Absolutely. Joe, where can the listeners find you on so- social media and online? On social media, you can find me at J Putnam Mike, J P U T N A M M I C, J Putnam Mike. That's how you say M I C. It's on uh, Twitter and Instagram there, uh, Snapchat as well. Okay. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Uh, but the uh, State College Spikes pages, it's a variety. It's State College Spikes on Facebook, at SC Spikes on Twitter, at State underscore College underscore Spikes on Instagram, at SC Spikes on Snapchat. And we're also exploring the TikTok space at State College Spikes. Ooh. And that's definitely a new frontier 
when it comes to social media for for me at least uh, absolutely it's fun to craft that content i haven't i haven't dove into that yet um i think we had it for like the last two weeks that i was uh with the delmarva shorebirds but i haven't branched out on my own yet my my wife sends them to me all the time um, but but i have not dove down that road yet just because people are like yeah you know i'll just be sitting there and then two hours later you know i i realize that i've been on tiktok this whole time i'm like yeah i don't it's amazing they're 15 second videos you wouldn't think yeah i mean i mean people be on there a long time Twitter, Twitter, I, I go into like deep holes on Twitter all the time too, but at least that doesn't take up, you know, hours of my time. But, um, so there is a, um, a Spotify playlist and I ask this question to all of my guests. Um, and there's a Spotify playlist, pulling tarp podcasts, uh, walk up playlist on Spotify. Um, and I'll add your song here too. Uh, what has been the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard in your baseball career, and whose was it? The one that uh, I always love is, um, it's actually one that was used for an opposing player. Okay. We would do joke uh, opposing songs, but it's, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> because we would play that, and then we were in the playoffs, uh, and I think it was Brendan McKay, but it was definitely one of the Hudson Valley Renegades that we were playing in the playoffs one year. And literally on the camera feed, you can see him singing along or lip syncing along at least <laughs> in the batter's box. Well, do you want to do you want to build a snowman place? So that That's one, funny. that one is always one I have a, a lot of affinity for. Wow, that is really funny, <laughs> Joe. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to come on the Pulling Tart podcast. I didn't think you would remember that we worked together, considering that it was only through skype and we never really met before so so kudos to you for remembering i mean i i guess i do have a pretty unique name we both have unique last names so i guess that stands out in our memories but um glad glad that you've been with the spikes for so long and um you know you're you're carving it out there and uh and glad to see that you're still doing well um and thank you so much for coming on the pulling tar podcast Absolutely, Bobby. Nobody Skypes like Bobby Kuhn. And uh, it's always it's great to be able to talk to you, though. It's been a wild ride here in State College and elsewhere. And looking forward to a great 2022 season. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks, Bobby. Do you want to build a snowman or ride our bike around the halls? I think some companies overdue. I've started talking to the pictures on the walls. Hang in there, Joan. It gets a little lonely, all these empty rooms. Just watching the hours tick by. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast. Distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.